spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, we sit down with Dr. Penny Satori and me and Chris actually travelled to Wheels to record this one and Penny is one of the leading researchers of near-death experiences and Penny has encountered thousands of cases of people who have also had near-death experiences and the near-death experience is something that we've wanted to talk about on this podcast for a while now. And many people take NDEs at surface value and are misinformed about the full extent of this highly complex phenomenon. And since the dawn of recorded history, millions of people worldwide have described native experiences, which can definitely be spiritual transformative experiences, can include encounters with spirits or deceased loved ones, and many other interesting things as well that we get into in this podcast. <laughs> But modern science has studied the native experience for more than 20 years and many studies have investigated whether it's possible in principle for the mind to transcend the physical boundaries of the brain. And most research has concluded that NDEs are real and unexplainable and a lot of the scientific studies that have been carried out may just change the way we view death and consciousness. In the NDE research that has emerged over the years definitely highlights the fact that revisions to the present, scientific assumptions about the, the brain and mind relationship needs to definitely be researched a lot more. So anyway, if you would like to show some love and support the podcast, you can do that through our Patreon page. And Patreon basically allows you to crowdfund this podcast and in return you also get access to bonus conversations and rants that are just not on the normal podcast feed. And if these conversations do add value in your life, please just consider supporting the podcast as you know we've never bothered you with stupid advertisements or products that just don't serve you all we ask is if you can help the podcast go to that next level by simply becoming a patron so anyway we appreciate you all and we really are trying our best to keep improving this podcast for you all so i hope you enjoy this interesting conversation with dr penny satori enjoy So anyway, um, thank you so much for doing this as well. And um, as you know, you've been someone who's been researching uh, the need of experience for many years now, and um, you've encountered many different uh, interesting stories. And, and obviously, you've done lots of research in this in these many different mm-hmm. areas as well. Um, but it seems to be that within the need of experience, there seems to be this sort of a, a common thread that's that's happening amongst many different people. Um, could you actually just describe what that common thread is, or what you're sort of coming across? Yeah, well, basically the experience, it might start with an out-of-body experience where the person feels like they rise above their body and look down on the emergency situation. They may go through a dark tunnel towards a bright light. And although that light is very, very bright, it doesn't really hurt their eyes. And sometimes they feel as if they're pulled, like a magnetic pull towards the light. When they get into the light, they meet um, deceased relatives and friends. And very often they're told by the deceased relatives or friends that it's not their time, they have to go back. They may find themselves in beautiful surroundings like a lovely big countryside scene with um, lush green grass, vividly coloured flowers, maybe a stream in the background, things like that. And sometimes they have a life review and the life review is really interesting because at that point they feel as if they relive their life in great detail and it's not just thinking about it it's actually reliving it so and it's everything from all the significant things they've done and the insignificant things that they'd forgotten about as well and you know what interests me most about the life review is that sometimes they can swap places with the person uh, that they've interacted with so if they've been really unpleasant to someone or been violent towards them they can feel like what it's like to be on the receiving end of that violence or that horrible behavior that they had 
Um, conversely, if they've been nice to someone, they can see the kind of ripple effects of their actions as well further down the line. Something simple, just smiling to someone or holding open a door can really have a profound effect well, as well. Yeah, I was going to start off a bit easier and ask uh, something because another question I want to ask you, but when you mentioned there the light, I want to just jump straight into that because <laughs> <laughs> I like obviously diving deep straight away. But um, have you ever like questioned what that light is? Well, yeah, what, you know, what is it? There's lots of different things in being suggested over the years. You know, some people have suggested that it's even as we're born, you know, you come out through the, the birth canal and you see the light yeah. straight away sort of thing. Is it connected to that kind of experience? Um, I don't know, because, you know, there's there's that magnetic pull as well. That kind of um, makes me think as well. Is it something more than just... I don't know. We don't know. But I know one thing that is um, very common after a near-death experience is that people tend to have changes in their electromagnetic field. And it's almost as if the near-death experience has in some way altered their electromagnetic field. So they can't wear wristwatches, for example, because they'll just lose time or they'll malfunction or stop. And other people will put those watches on and they'll work for those other people. I know lots of people who've been to jewellers with very expensive watches. The jeweller's taken it apart, looked at it and can't find anything wrong. But um, also electrical items as well, such as um, toasters, kettles, computers, they kind of malfunction in their presence as well. So there seems to be a link between consciousness and the electromagnetic field in some way. And that fascinates me too. Is can I, uh, is it a point of like is it something that we're all all going to be in, introduced to do you think um, everyone has this similar experience when we're when we're going through a near-death experience is everyone's like very similar everyone has this vivid experience yeah they are they are very very vivid and they remain etched in the person's mind for the rest of their life and i think everyone who has these experiences it follows a kind of pattern but they're all unique. So each person has their own individual experience. Mm. And so some people might not have all of the elements. Those elements might occur in different order as well. But I think it's a, it's almost like a universal thing. And if you look at the cultural differences as well, there's cultural differences too. So for example, someone in India might not have a life review, but they might meet a man with a book called Chitragupta and he's got a book of deeds and that's a you know it's it's a list of everything that they've done in their life so that is very similar to the life review as has, well has there ever been like anyone on the other end of the spectrum where they don't see anything and it's just black unconsciousness yes yes i've had cases of that where people just don't remember anything vivid except that blackness and just pure black and that's it that's all they remember it's, it's kind of the, the this is where it gets interesting is when we're trying to like separate from that blackness the unconscious to the light but two seconds ago because we there one jumping because mm. the unconscious is it blackness because like alan watts says he says um when people believe that they're going to die mm -hmm. they said that the people are, are afraid of like never ending existence and the old people mm -hmm. always describe that nothingness as black but like alan watts says black isn't nothingness black mm. is still an experience mm. it's an interesting yeah, concept yeah it is it, it's very interesting and when you look at it in depth like that as well you, it brings up so many mm -hmm. other questions as mm. well and so yeah you get occasionally get people who just have that blackness you also get people who have the void experience mm. which is this meaningless dark eternal nothingness and uh, again that can be transformative as well in some yeah. ways something you said before as well about um you were talking about how con i think you said how consciousness reacts to um electromagnetic um environments and you said there's a link have you ever thought what that link is between them two things i don't know no yeah. but i'd love to do more research in this area because it fascinates me and and there's some way that we could measure it as well it's something that's potentially quantifiable well how, so, how do you know how you would do that well you'd have to have a before and after kind of thing so oh. you'd measure someone's electromagnetic field before they had a near-death experience but then you don't know if it, that person will ever have a near-death experience yeah, so if there was, you know, so you get into realms of all different kinds of um, experiments that could be done, but they wouldn't necessarily be ethical either. Oh. So. <laughs> That's fascinating. <laughs> Do you recall as well when you said about how, um, sorry, you didn't say this, but you were talking about how when people enter this different state, is it, do you, is, did, did, did a lot of people who you encountered, do they, do they see this 
a lot of time when they go when they go at the light or like you said they have a, have a review of their life is it like a timeless timelessness state yes yeah they see that they say that you know time just doesn't exist as we experience it right now it's timelessness and it's if you think about it these patients are literally unconscious in some cases for a matter of seconds but during that those few brief seconds they have this very vivid life review where they relive every aspect of their life you know some some of these experiences are so extensive that it could take a good few hours or even a couple of days to you know report back everything that what they've experienced yet they were only unconscious for that brief few seconds in some cases so when they're only unconscious for them brief few seconds is that to them does that feel like a like they've been in there for a long time yes yeah wow. they they could feel you know sometimes they feel like they've been in there for perhaps a couple of days you know wow because i was actually thinking i was thinking in my head there imagine if the human experience now is just some sort of um like see see if we've we could just be in the in the state of a native experience like this whole experience now could mm-hmm. be just in the state of a native experience and we believe we perceive in our head that 75 years is is the is the, is our life but it's actually just a that window between the yeah. you, us dying and transitioning to something else. Yeah. Imagine that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy, that. Mm. <laughs> something else I want to um, touch on as well, um, and I, I, just to get uh, sort of um, to get this out there as well, I don't believe this, but I just wanted to put this in because I know a lot of people are going to be asking this, and you get sort of the mainstream argument in terms of saying that all this native experience is just sort of, um, they say it's just... Um, a hallucination they use mm-hmm. like neurons firing in the brain yeah. i mean how i mean you must have got that question quite a few times as well mm. when you've met certain people how yeah. do you sort of combat and what would you see against that well i think there's a lot of changes as well after a near-death experience i think sometimes as well when people have an experience they can gain information during that experience that they couldn't gain in other ways so for example in my hospital research there was one man and during his near-death experience he met one of his deceased relatives and she gave him some information and she said when you go back to life go and tell this other relative this information and um, indeed when he revived he told this relative the information and she was astounded that he should know that information it was something that she'd gone to great lengths to keep a secret from him and oh. that was verified by other family members as well so you know that i think there's something more there this this guy had some information that he was not privy to prior to his experience yet he was deeply unconscious when your brain shouldn't really be functioning as it would do normally yeah. so yeah. and that's kind of like the million dollar question really i mean when we are clinically dead and the brain isn't functioning, but yet people can still see these like lucid, vivid, wild, very intrinsic dreams. Oh, I'll sort of mm-hmm. see, see them as dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that even possible that, that our brain can be dead, but yet can still get these images? Well, that's it. And I think that's where we've kind of gone wrong with our ideas of consciousness you know we the materialist view is that the brain produces consciousness and when the brain dies there is no conscious experience yet what people with a near-death experience are showing is that yes there is conscious experience and so i think what we need to do is expand our understanding of consciousness and think of other ways to perceive it so is the the brain more like a filter rather than a producer of consciousness and so is consciousness primary in that it's always around us all the time but we're unaware of it in its full state because our brain screens it out and there are times in our life when that brain the the filter of the brain kind of relaxes a bit and allows this heightened state of reality into our everyday waking reality and I think that seems much more of a a a better explanation of these experiences Mm. so you know what I'm thinking is just we we have to expand our understanding of consciousness I was going to say it definitely sounds very plausible idea that um, Mm. our brain is a filter system because there is so much that our brains can tap into at one particular time and it's kind of interesting like when we do become a near-death experience the brain isn't focusing on the body no more instead it's just like kind of shutting down Mm. but in that moment of shutting down it's like it's instead of like focusing on the body it's all completely opened up all of its senses mm-hmm. and the senses instead of filtering anything out it's just taking everything in yeah. so that's probably why they're in, including a lot, lot of um life regression and stuff like that and we're starting mm-hmm. to understand a bit more about it 
Yeah. Do you think this mm-hmm. is? Do you think the research now in uh, near death experiences? It's starting to expose a lot of unconsciousness right now. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, years ago when it was just retrospective research and it was just kind of focusing on anecdotally reported accounts, it was easier to dismiss. But I think now that we've got these experiences being studied in a hospital setting, you can refer to the medical notes. We can we know precisely if that person was unconscious, how unconscious they were. We can look at their blood results. We can look at medications that were given. And what we're finding with the hospital research now is that these experiences, they can't be explained through the current understanding of consciousness, but they certainly can't be explained away. So I think it's a really exciting time because, you know, mm. it's teaching us something about consciousness that we didn't know before. And now we're kind of opening up to these new perspectives on what consciousness is yeah i think that 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 excite excitement that you're seeing there i think we need to tap into that more because i mean that's why i think one of the reasons why in my opinion anyway that the mainstream a lot of mainstream sort of people who in this field who try to just debunk it straight away without really doing the the research are are debunking it because they're not under they're not really tapping into that excitement and what they're actually doing is is they're going towards more the comfort Mm -hmm. because i think I think this, like the, the question of consciousness, it's a, it's not a comfortable question. Like if you, if you're somebody who needs to be certain in your life, like because mm-hmm. that's a, one of the biggest questions: what is con- consciousness? Mm. But if they, like a lot of mainstream scientists, try to hold on to something that's tangible, they want to, they want to have it like they're weird. Does that make Does uh-huh. that make sense? Have yes. you found that with certain people that 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 could be the reasons why? Because yeah. they don't want this. Because consciousness is the question that basically, I mean, you've got to, in my opinion, to to answer the question of consciousness, you've got to. Um, give yourself a way to the I don't know yeah basically mm. that's right definitely I certainly don't know what consciousness yeah. is but I'd love to learn more about it and I think a lot of people are comfortable with what they know yeah. or think they know and you know it rocks a lot of people's world views as well when it, cha- it challenges what they think is is the world view yeah definitely what are some of the most um interesting sort of encounters you've had with near-death experiences is there any sort of like near-death experiences that you've encountered and it's like completely sort of just blew your mind definitely when I was doing my hospital research I think that in particular you know was something that really did open my mind greatly and I think because I was actually there in the, the clinical area where these experiences were happening it just gave me that unique kind of insight as well so it wasn't just that I was an academic at home sitting and studying and reading and you know and and studying the latest about near-death experiences I was actually there interviewing patients just after they'd had an experience Um, and I think the the most uh, mind-blowing case was patient 10 now he was really interesting I was I happened to be looking after him that day and um, he'd been in intensive care for quite some time and we'd sat him in the chair because he was making a good recovery he was still connected to the ventilator and his condition had deteriorated as soon as he sat in the chair his blood pressure dropped his heart rate went into a very fast rhythm very briefly and his breathing pattern changed and I thought if we don't get this man back into bed quickly he'll have a cardiac arrest in the chair so I called my colleagues we literally got him back into bed in a matter of seconds and by that point he was deeply unconscious Um, we called the doctor who treated him as well and the doctor had to leave then and go back to another emergency and then his blood pressure started to drop again shortly after that so another doctor came along it happened to be the consultant who hadn't been on duty all day he'd just literally come into the unit that morning and um, he examined the patient and again made sure then that he was um, settled and stable and then he went back to his office now after about Uh, half an hour this man began to kind of flicker his eyelids and move his limbs and these are all signs that he was regaining neurological function and then it was about four hours later when he regained full neurological functioning and he was fully conscious and he was very excited about something and the ward round were approaching his bed area and there's probably about 12 doctors physios nutritionists everything all there on the ward round and he was trying to tell them something but because he had the tracheostomy he couldn't speak so the physio got him a letter board and he, he spelled on it i died and i watched it all from above 
And so the um, consultant said, oh, you'd better tell Penny about that. She's very interested. (laughs) (laughs) So they examined him. And in fact, the doctor actually noted, he said this man regained consciousness and described a near-death experience. And he put that in the notes, which is a breakthrough in itself, really. But when I interviewed that patient in depth, he described that he'd left his body. He was looking down from above. He described the actions of the nurse cleaning his mouth. He correctly identified which doctor had examined him and shone a torch in his eyes. And everything that he did, he really reported accurately. And he also described the physiotherapist poking her head around the curtains, looking very nervous. And all of those things that he described were accurate. And I know they were accurate because I was the nurse and I was there at the time. Only I didn't realize he was having a near-death experience until after the event. But he also described going upwards into a pink room and he met his dead father, his dead mother-in-law, who he'd never met before but recognised from photos, and also a Jesus-type figure. And he said, I was really drawn to this Jesus-type figure. His eyes were really piercing and I really wanted to look into his eyes. And he said, all my pain had disappeared. I was so happy, so comfortable, and I just wanted to stay there. But um, the Jesus figure said, no, it's not your time. You have to go back. And he's kind of faded backwards, really. He said he felt as if he was pulled backwards into his body. The image just faded in front of him. And as soon as he was in his body, he was in extreme pain. And the interesting thing about this case as well is that further... On a further interview, he misinterpreted one of my questions. And um, I said to him, is there anything you could do when you were out of your body that you can't normally do? Now, what I was getting at is that some people say that sometimes they can think of a location and they can find themselves in that location. But this man misinterpreted and he said, oh, look, he said, I can hold up my hand like this. Now, I didn't realise what he was talking about, but this man has cerebral palsy. So his right hand was always in a permanently contracted position like this. Mm. But after the experience, he can now open it out fully. And physiologically, that shouldn't be possible. So the physios and the doctors, when I discussed this with them, they said there's no way that should have happened without an operation to release the tendons. So, you know, that is something that we don't understand. But if we understood the mechanism behind it, think about how many millions of people out there have got similar ailments so we could, you know, help them without having to undergo surgery and things. Wow, that is interesting. I love that story, by the way. It's an absolutely Mm -hmm. fascinating story. um, Have you ever, like, kept up with him? I did for a long time with that man. Um, The last time I saw him was probably about three years ago and his hand continued to be open as well after that and it changed his life you know he was he said beforehand he was previously very careful with his money and would very much keep it for himself after his experience he says you know I I can't take it with me and now he's much more generous than he ever was and I can remember when he went to the rehabilitation hospital he said all around him were men who were recovering from hospital stays and they were very depressed, these men. So he used to go round to their bedside and tell them about his near-death experience. And um, he really changed the mood of the ward. So the patients used to get out of bed in the mornings then and they used to dress in their clothes. And he had many thank you cards as well from the relatives of the people around him because he'd been so nice and kind to them oh. and um, sharing his near-death experience. Wow. Did he, did he ever get to a point on why he was... why? kind of the jesus figure sent him back no he just uh, he's just that's it he said he just sent me back and after that i knew i couldn't stay because it always feels like um there's kind of a purpose left unfilled yeah that's now that's a really good point because a lot of people come back to life after a near-death experience and they feel as if they've got a mission to fulfill and very often they don't know what that mission is and they can spend a lot of time thinking about what this mission is And I'm thinking, is it simply the case of sharing their near-death experience? Because the more people share the experiences, the more other people who've had them previously and never understood them, the more they begin to understand that other people have had these experiences. But also, other people who are not familiar with near-death experiences become more educated about them as well. So I think it's just sharing the experience is, is... good enough anyway you know yeah definitely i was actually thinking there imagine if um like you said there why do certain people come back that's basically the question you're asking like why why is it that certain people come back and some people don't mm. maybe maybe like the universe 
like has a plan like i always think in my life mm. when i'm in my day-to-day life i always think the, does the universe have a plan for me like we've said this before like i'm see if you're walking down a corridor and i see in my head right now i'm gonna go right you've said this loads of times but then I decided to go left instead but was I always going to go left mm-hmm. so like has the universe actually always got a plan I know this is like it's woo-woo and out there but mm. like who knows because that, there's a lot of times in my life where I think like I think I've done something but have I really done that thing so what if the like the native experiences are just what like the we don't understand the we, we know the world's a mysterious place and we don't understand the rule set of, of whatever this is what if like the universe actually does have a plan for every single individual and that's mm-hmm. and that's why the it's got to put you back in the game so to say imagine that mm. showing you it, yeah it is a very good point that by the way it's mm. showing you like the vastness of individual individualism and it's making me think like everyone each holds a purpose filled um, for this existence but then it also makes me actually question like a collective consciousness as well are we all also on one collective consciousness that we're tapping into maybe that's when when you mm. when you before when you were describing about the um this like sort of um you how do you i can't remember how you described it now you you said it was like sort of a holographic t- t- like a time mm-hmm. uh, what what was the word you're gonna use it used where you have a where when you do have an need of experience you yeah you, you stand in front of like a sort of a, um, a review of your life is that what yeah, you said yeah life review yes. yeah that's what it, that's what it, it could be it could sort of be that i mean you're tapping into that and it's sort of like the universe is, is giving you a lesson to sort of see this is this is what you've done this is how you improve it and then when you said mm-hmm. that guy before he wanted to come back and he just actually wanted to be a better person yeah. so maybe that could be one of the reasons as well why it actually just it's it's a sort of just like i think psychedelics as well do that as well mm-hmm. like a lot of people take psychedelics or there's many lessons in life that can do that here but it actually it's a it's like it gives you a sort of a, a platform for you to take it back in your day to your life and actually improve something and improve other people's lives mm-hmm. i mean do you have you found out with everyone i mean does everyone come back and want to improve prove yeah. their life to a certain degree or there are certain people who actually just maybe are so shocked by the experience that they just want to get rid of be, be away from this reality completely well yeah that's a good point as well because some people have the experience they totally don't understand it at all and really bury it and push it underneath and they just don't want to go back oh, to it and yeah. revisit it but i think the majority of people um after a near-death experience are very much profoundly transformed yeah I was just thinking there um, about the patient ten story. Um, when when he was flickering his eyes, was would at that point have been when he was experiencing his? Um, no, because what he had reported was before he started flickering his eyes. So the the events that he was re- he reported when he did regain full consciousness had occurred when he was completely unconscious and he wasn't responding to anything at that point not to deep painful stimuli nothing at all so everything um during that point um it was so it was later on when he was regaining consciousness um that when when his eyes were flickering all oh, right because i was just thinking then i was wondering there if at that point when he was flickering his eyes and he would have been still connected to his body so i wonder if at that moment he was processing the image through his physical body but if he was completely unconscious then well, he must have been yeah he might well have been you know at that point he might well have been processing it then starting to process it as he was regaining the the function but the um just the events that he was he described were the ones that had occurred during the time when he was completely unconscious so then about 30 minutes later after those events that's when he started to flicker his eyes so that's at that point he might then have been in a some way trying to make sense of what had happened to him as well mm. have you had any experiences where um because i mean i've in my in my life obviously i haven't you've been around obviously many people who's died and things like that mm. and i had a, um, an encounter with um, my granddad and um <laughs> basically what happened is obviously um not to go too far into the story or anything but my granddad was basically on his deathbed mm. and um the whole family was around him and uh the time that when he passed there was sort of i mean you might you might already resonate with you might really resonate with this but there seems to be this um a, there's like a window when you know someone goes mm. whatever whatever it is wherever the souls leave and whatever it is but there seems mm. to be a window where like the person surrenders mm. and then you get the sense that everything lights up uh-huh. Do you do you ever do you, have you had that same feeling with pe- certain people? Um, 
yeah you kind of get a sense of when it's going to happen and yeah. once that yes you i've encountered unusual things um some of my colleagues when when i was nursing actually used to see a light around the body some uh one person used to see like a, a mist or a, a bit of smoke kind of arising i never actually saw anything visually for me it was more of an intuition um and i've nursed three of my uh, well four any of my, my all of my grandparents at, uh, as they were dying as well mm-hmm. and i was present at the bedside as each one of them died um and yeah you do kind of pick up a sense of when it's going to happen and you, you you're quite right there can be like this sense of release as well yeah, yeah. and i think what we find is that a lot of um people ultimately even if we are unconscious um they are unconscious as they're approaching death there is still that element of control that they have over the time when they die as well yeah. so when i worked in intensive care I came across loads of patients who were dying and some of them perhaps would wait for um, an event to happen, a birth of a grandchild or something, or maybe um, a family wedding or something like that, or maybe for one of their relatives to travel back from abroad. And then as soon as that event had happened, the, the patient would die very quickly. That's, that's so interesting. And, my, yeah. gra- my granddad had a very similar story actually uh-huh. to me, um, to my mum. When my mum was getting married, me said my granddad wouldn't last beyond um i think she was gonna get married in june and instead she got married in sorry she got married in the june but she found out uh, my granddad was meant to die in january mm. but he held on oh, for wow. the all them five months yeah. just to see like the wedding and then yeah. he shortly died like after it yeah so very common like they couldn't even take him out of hospital but he managed to actually go to the church Gosh. so it's, it's interesting how death kind of gives you a strength yes it's I had it, scary that isn't it? i love that story i had it interesting it just caught me mind there i remember this but when when i encountered my granddad dying obviously he was someone at the time he was someone who was very special to me mm-hmm. in my life and um it was very interesting this connection right i want obviously i've got I want to share this now but anyway what happened was is um so when my granddad was dying um because he basically had cancer right and um when he was going through the period obviously his body was deteriorating and um, for some reason, something told us that he was going to pass because I'll, I'll describe the story. I'll try and do this story with justice. But basically, it was me and my mom and my nana as well. In the For people in America who don't know what nana is, that's a grandma, grandmother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we call it nana where we live. <laughs> They'll be like, what the hell is a nana? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so basically, um, in the house was my mom and my nana, my grandmother. <laughs> and um, there was other family members. But the other family members weren't very... They weren't really the close family members. They were just they were just sort of wanting to say bye to my granddad before he mm-hmm. went, sort of thing. And what happened is, is um, I got a sense in my, in my body that it was time he was going to go. And I mean, and it wasn't. It this wasn't something that I would know. Like I wouldn't, you wouldn't know just by looking at him because he's been mm-hmm. in this state for a long time. But it was something in my gut, and that said that he's he's ready to pass. Something's ready to pass. So I said I actually called to my grandma, my grandmother, my nana, mm-hmm. and I says um we need to come in the bedroom now because I, I, I know something's going to happen I know it and uh, I mean, me Nana always says this point I mean, she always like reiterates to many people that like, I had this understanding mm-hmm. I mean have you ever had like feelings of that that like, you know someone's going to pass because what like what is that that's crazy I mean it's, yeah. it could be anything but yes I used to get it a lot especially when I was nursing and I can remember one day there was a man um, I was about to finish shift I was um, working on a short shift and as I went past the patient's bed, this patient was actually sitting in the chair and clinically to look at him, he, he looked okay, not yeah. not bad, but I thought he's going to die really soon. And I said to the nurse, I said, keep an eye on him. I got a feeling he's going to have a cardiac arrest. Well, the following day I came into work and that nurse came up to me and said, Penny, you jinxed me yesterday. About half an hour after you went, that patient had, had a cardiac arrest and died. Wow. And it was just, there's nothing to look at, but it was just that, almost that kind of gut feeling that you get. Yeah. That's strange. That, that's what I'll, I'm fascinated by that intuition mm, of yeah. like that, hu- how you as a human could understand that other human and mm. you understand what he what he's going to happen yeah. to him. 
That's what I want to tap into. It's very unmeasurable though, like because it's completely unmeasurable. Because like if you try to measure that, and you can't, you can't, you can't measure it. But if you try to actually measure it, like the circumstances would actually of trying to measure it, me actually stop the thing. Yeah, like stop the intuition. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you can't replicate it either. You know, it's really hard to replicate because it happens kind of randomly as well. You know, doesn't happen with every patient I looked after, but. You know, a few of them it did, yeah. and I could just maybe, tell. Maybe as well, we're not meant to know that as well. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, man. But like that actually makes me like think of it as well as like I said before, the collective consciousness, how we're all mm-hmm. connected. Yeah. But merely we just don't really tap into it because yeah. we all have got the idea of individualism. That's right. Yeah, and a lot of people when they've had a near death experience, they experience that interconnectivity, and they they just don't see us as being separated. They realise that we're part of one great interconnected whole, and so you behave differently when when you have that understanding of life as well, because you realise that anything I do to anyone else ultimately comes back on myself as well, and so you know you live in a more mindful way, and also you know with our perspective with the planet as well and and the human action that's you know the impact on the planet and how we are literally destroying the planet which is something that is sustaining us Mm. and we don't treat it respectfully and i think a lot of people once they have a near-death experience realize that as well yeah before as well i want to go back i just remembered my head there but you when you were talking about um you said you you were talking about the guy who you said sort of met like a, a godly figure and he was drawn to the eyes yeah do you think that um that cultural our cultural filters could actually play a part in the near-death experience because obviously i know if you look back at i don't know if i've I've done a little bit research on this and in many ancient cultures in the past they would like describe it as like gods and things like that Mm -hmm. but many people describe things as as differently like people might say it was like a film now or something like that Uh do you uh, do you find that that maybe our cultural perceptions could also affect the near-death experience yeah definitely and you were talking earlier on about the collective unconscious well Carl Jung talks about the archetypes and the collective unconscious and it's almost as if when people are having a near-death experience they're tapping into that collective unconscious and perhaps picking up on archetypal imagery Uh and you know parts of that collective unconscious and bringing it back but interpreting it according to their cultural filters so you know um over here we might um, encounter someone like Jesus in the West whereas in India they might encounter someone like a a Hindu god or deity you know or a Yama the god of the dead or Yamadut the messenger of the god of the dead and also as well might be like how like not only just it could be how you interpret it as well so say if like if you're if you if you your only understanding of like how to interpret something thing is through God, like if you see source or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and the only thing that your mind can see is that's God, mm-hmm. or that's um, an animal, whatever whatever it yes. is, I think you're going to use your cultural perception to sort of to yeah. analyze it in that way as well. Yeah, mm. that's right. And another question then that brings up is consciousness God? Yeah. So you yeah. know it, that puts another spin on it again. Then yeah, of course. I mean, mm. that's what I think. A lot of people, obviously, a lot of people. Did, I think well, I don't know, but a lot of people. I think, in, in a sense, I think that's the the word God itself is. It could just be that because, like, obviously, we know for you know for a fact now. If you look at a certain object in this room and you describe it, like that's a chair, but it's a red chair. It's a chair that's on the ground. It's a chair that's in a world. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a, it could be that's what God could be consciousness. It could yeah. be source, whatever source mm-hmm. is, yes. and then source could be a part of something else, and then that thing could be a part of something else, and then something else, something else. Yeah. Mm. That's why we're probably never ever going to get to that to the source. Uh-huh. If you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's mind-boggling when you look at it like that. It gets deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper. How do you think? How do you see in the future? Like, see in terms of see, we are going to try and because in the future technology is going to get better and things like that and we're going to start be able to maybe pr- hopefully probe at these questions a bit deeper mm. do you what do you methods do you see how we could actually probe at these bigger questions do you think we can do that with science in the future well yeah i think so and i think there will be um, a blending as well of science with spirituality as yeah. well and i think that is really key to our evolution as well because if you look at how wonderful our science has been and everything that it's developed and and the technology that we have now interestingly the scientific breakthroughs that we use
is in the hospitals now is um, you know it's ensuring that people are staying alive uh, who many years before would have died so you know people are now being resuscitated and the resuscitation techniques are ensuring that more people are being successfully resuscitated which again is is then um, there'll be more cases of people who have a near-death experience as well because mm. if you look at the statistics it's more common in a near in a, a cardiac arrest so our science is almost in a way coming full circle because it's then the technology is actually giving us even more people who've had these experiences as well yeah, yeah like that's interesting that's, yeah, really, really do, you, do, you, do you think that we could um actually this is out there by the way but just like um a lot of things i see out there <laughs> but um within like lucid dreaming now people are talking about in the future how we might actually be able to capture the lucid dream experience mm-hmm. do you think actually in the future we could actually capture a native experience wow that might that's crazy that no? that is yeah. well who knows because you know the way our technology and our ideas are advancing who knows 20 30 40 50 years down the line there might be technology that comes out that might be able to do something like that i don't know i've got to keep an open mind to it but it would be exciting it will be Mm. how was um interesting question i'd like to ask you is how was all all the all the research you've done in need of experiences how how many like encounters have you met now how you done now oh gosh thousands and thousands really yeah yeah so with the thousand you've done which is, is a very lot um that much for me that must have sort of changed your perspective on mm-hmm. on death has that like sort of changed your understanding of what death could actually be absolutely yeah, yeah definitely and i think it's um you know when i started doing my research everyone said to me penny why are you studying death and these things that's really morbid but it's not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know i think when you learn to uh, when we learn about death we really begin to learn about life because mm. it's taught me how to live my life in a totally different way and i'm appreciative of the simple things that i do have and i don't worry about the things that i don't have it's all about you know having quality time and um you know making the most of your life as well yeah, i love that penny do you, Pe- do you oh, think, do you, oh, go ahead oh yeah i've, I've been <laughs> wanting to say this for for a bit actually um penny um of all your near-death experiences what you've actually um seen and recorded from from countless people um is everyone's um because i'm getting the kind of impression that it's all kind of a blissful experience have they always all been blissful does anyone ever had a, a terrifying experience good question yes some people do um and those kind of get sort of brushed under the carpet not many people talk about the distressing type of experience but if you depending on whose kind of research you look at the figures are between probably about 10 to 14 percent of all near-death experiences can be distressing as well and there's three different categories of them the first one is the usual near-death experience but it's interpreted in a frightening way the second one is the void experience that i mentioned earlier on where you just in that dark meaningless eternal void sometimes there's this voice in the background saying life is just a joke um, and that can be very unpleasant and then the third type then is um where people really feel that they're in hell or being dragged down into hell and it's really, really distressing and frightening and traumatic. And even the recall of these experiences can cause trauma for the person as well. Mm. And I've had a few people contact me over the years and with these distressing ones in particular, they will put little snippets of what they've experienced, but they can't talk about it because it just evokes too much trauma and they're begging me for help. Um, but they it's difficult for them to express what they've been through as well mm-hmm. so i think it's really important that we do more research in this area so that we're able to support these people as well mm. i was definitely becoming more like if i was definitely getting the whole yeah actually death is a very blissful experience but then i get i was just thinking there's there must be some people who have a hellish like mm. experience that'll take them on to like the completely opposite end of the spectrum just like the yin mm. and the yang yes basically we need to have there's always going to be a balance between both worlds yeah. and there will there will be like people who touch in these realms i mean mm. uh, something else i want to quickly ask why i've got you yeah. um, is are these more likely to happen if you've been emotionally charged like like really like going through an emotional event uh-huh. so are these more likely to happen in that sense well we don't really have enough information on them at the moment so mm-hmm. 
it could that the, the emotions could be very much linked to it mm-hmm. um another thing is that some uh, that's been suggested is that, that um the ego control and it's fear and they're fighting the experience and they're afraid to give in to it um, because there's been a, a few cases recorded where people have been kind of resisting that experience but when they've let go and gone into it it's actually changed into a, a pleasant mm. experience then so it could be to do with the control level of control and that they're feeling very much out of control well because they are mm-hmm. um, but we really don't know but some people have even asked is it to do with the moral moral character of the person that they've been a bad person but no you know even the nicest of people can have distressing yeah. experiences as well the only reason i was asking was because um a lot of like when i have vivid dreams it's when i'm going through an emotional time in my life or there's an emotional event so maybe it, the people who are, are engaging in these are actually focusing on death and that's a big monumental um path in life and it's very an emotional time and i was thinking are they tapping into that emotional energy and is that highlighting their creative process in their mind which is giving us the, that vivid experience even beyond the whole death yeah that i i really like that point and in fact i'm gonna make a note of that now because yeah. i think that's a really useful avenue to pursue as well mm, so when i'm scientist. Yeah, when I'm when I'm doing my next research, I'm going to take that on board because I think that's a highly relevant question. Definitely, mm. it just reminds me about dreams as well. Like when I'm when I'm vivid in me dreams, it's always when there's an emotional event in my life. Interesting. See, for me, when I have a dream, it's um, I'm relaxed. I have more dreams when I'm at a relaxed state. So if I um, right. like I've noticed before, see if I'm like most. I, I'm, I'm, I am a very vivid dreamer, and I have a lot of lucid dreams. But I have the most extensive lucid dreams when I'm. Um, I've got more time to myself, like time to relax and doing the more things that I love. That's when I, my body seems to relax and settle down. It's when my me, me emotions are high and my mind's running mm-hmm. so fast that I can't tap into that. Mm. That's what I find anyway. No, it's interesting. Man. It's interesting, two different contrasting worlds. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Do, you, do you think is it, um, actually before I go there, I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute, but the question <laughs> fired my mind there. Um, before when you were talking about how people, like there seems to be when people have a need of experience there's like a, there's like a crossover of where people can get the opportunity to come back and sort of see. I've heard a lot of stories like that. Um, what do you think that is? I mean, do you, do you think why do you think people? Because a lot of people tend to choose. What, mm. what do you think makes the people different who choose to come back and the people who don't? Because a lot of people exp, exp, mm. explain that need of experience that moment of where they they get that they feel that bliss, blissfulness. I know you said mm. before it's not all blissfulness, mm. but there's a window where a lot of people sense this like sort of this high this how would you call it really this high sense of state and being whether it's more real than it is now mm. and i mean obviously if, if, if a person's gonna it's gonna be hard for a person to, to choose this reality over something that's even more real than this reality and i can't mm-hmm. even imagine what's gonna be more real than this reality mm-hmm. but why, why do we what do you think makes people actually see a note of that then come back mm. I don't know because sometimes not all patient uh, the people who have the experience make a conscious decision to return. Sometimes they feel like they have a choice, wow. but they don't remember making any decision. They just remember coming back into their body. Some people are sent back by the relatives as well, um, but they very much do come to a border or a barrier, which is a point of no return. So that could be crossing over a river, it could be walking over a bridge, it could be going through a gate. Wow. And they know that if they do it, they won't come back. But some of them don't remember making that conscious choice. Well, that is crazy to think. What is, is that? Brilliant. What is that? What is the river? What is the barrier? That is fascinating. It's, it's crazy, that isn't it? Do you think? Do you think as a society we should actually be more interested in death? Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, I think it raises so many questions when you contemplate death, and a lot of people kind of put it to the back of their mind, and it, you know, it's never going to happen to me. Is you know that sort of attitude, but it's the only thing in life that's guaranteed to happen for every one of us. Mm. And I think we've become it's become such a taboo in our society that we don't tend to talk about it. Yeah. But I think when we do talk about it, you know, it, it it opens up doors as well, and it teaches us so much in life and it it teach well it's taught me to appreciate everything i have whereas before perhaps i'd not really been that appreciative of it you know so i think think about your own death think about your own mortality because it can it can it you know enhance your life 
Yeah. Meditate on your own death. That's what mm. I've been doing. I've done yeah. that. Haven't I said yeah, it. I talk yes. about my last observing mm. my thoughts where I'll actually meditate on my death. Right. Yeah. And uh, obviously, there's so much. Um, there's so much. Uh, so many positive things that mm-hmm. can come out of that as well. Yes. Um, is there anything before we wrap it up? Is there anything that we haven't maybe touched on? I mean, maybe what I'm thinking is, is I'm, I don't want to try and. I'm, well, yeah, I am going to try and <laughs> pull into something, but maybe in terms of. Um, maybe in terms of research on consciousness or something that we maybe we, we do try to want to mm-hmm. do, do your work res- uh, justice but is there any open to you now anything that you maybe even any questions that questions that you're asking about native experiences now or whatever just something oh, I'll let you open the floor whatever oh, anything gosh. that's on your mind um, maybe something we haven't touched on I can't think offhand now you put me on the spot <laughs> <laughs> oh there's so many other answered questions there's so much more to learn about the experiences and I think you know it, it would be interesting to use technology as well in in some way I don't yeah. know how at the moment to kind of uh, support the future research as well but um, I would love to do you know all kinds of research really I'd love to look into the electromagnetic field and yeah. what is the connection there between consciousness and the electromagnetism of our bodies um, I don't know and I, I think this this area of uh, study is so underfunded as well mm. so it would be great to get more funding to do more research because you know I've got over 14,000 cases that I haven't really been able to process and, and go into in depth at the moment so oh. it would be great to do more research yeah, mm. nice place to wrap it up you think perfect Penny perfect. thank you <laughs> so much for being on the oh, podcast thank you, so thank you really thank enjoyed you. thank Power you house. wow what a really interesting conversation that was with Dr Penny Satori the native experience conversation is one in my eyes that definitely needs a lot more research done so I hope that conversation there has spiced up your mind to do some more research into it as well and if you're interested in looking into the area more Penny has a plethora of research and articles and videos on her website. And also, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do that through our Patreon page. As you know, we've never bombarded you with stupid advertisements or products. So if you want to support the podcast, all you need to do is go to the Ascend Patreon page. So anyway, we appreciate you all. I hope you all have an amazing day and becoming a better version of yourself. We will catch you next week where we have another amazing episode as always. Peace and love.